So welcome to Exodus 19, A Nation Married to Yah, with your host, Richard Massey. I pray that you guys are having a blessed Sabbath, and I pray also that whatever you and your family are going through, that Yah gives you the strength to go through it. Today we're going to talk about Hebrews 9, and I'm going to show you something that really shocked me. And maybe you guys already knew about this, and maybe you didn't, but it was always one of those hard books to explain, the book of Hebrews, period. Very hard book to explain when you were particularly trying to show somebody that you had to do the law, or whether you had to do it or not. So we're going to read Hebrews 9, and then, so I'm going to read it straight out. And then we'll come back. So this might be a little long, but I just want to show you something that might point something out to you. Okay. So Hebrews 9.1. It says, now, it says, now the first covenant indeed had regulations of worship and the earthly set apart place. For a tent was prepared. The first part in which was the lampshade, the table, and the showbread, which is called the set-apart place. And after the second veil, the second part of the tent, which is called the most set-apart, to which belonged the golden censer and the Ark of the Covenant, overlaid on all sides with gold, and in, in which were the golden pot that held the manna and the rod of Aaron that budded, and the tables of the covenant. And above it set the cherim of esteem were overshadowing the place of the atonement, about which we do not speak now, which we do not now speak in detail. 9.6. And these have been prepared like this. The priest always went into the first part of the tent, accomplishing the services. But unto the second part, the high priest went alone once a year, not without blood, which he offered for himself and for the sins of, of the ignorance of the people. The set-apart spirit signifying this, that the way into the most set-apart place was not yet made manifest while the first tent, as, while the first tent has a standing which was a parable for the present time in which both gifts and slaughters are offered, which are unable to perfect the one serving as to his conscience, only as, only as to foods and drinks and different washings and fleshly regulations imposed until a time of setting man astray. But Messiah, having become a high priest of the coming good matters through the greater and more perfect tent not made with hands, that is, not of this creation. Enter into the most set-apart place once for all, not with the blood of, of goats and calves, but with his own blood, having obtained everlasting redemption. For if the blood of bulls and goats and the ashes of a heifer sprinkling the, the defile sets apart for the cleanness of the flesh, how much more shall the blood of the Messiah, who through the everlasting spirit offered himself unblemished to Elohim, 
cleanse your conscience from dead works to serving the living Elohim. I'm going to read to 20, then I'm going to start back up. And because of this, he is the mediator of a renewed covenant, so that death having taken place for redemption of the transgressions under the first covenant, those who were called might receive the promise of the everlasting inheritance. For where a covenant is, it is necessary for the death of the covenant one to be established. For a covenant over those dead is firm, since it is never valid while the covenant one is living. Therefore, not even the first covenant, which was instituted without blood. For when, according to the Torah, every command had, had been made, spoken by Moshe to all the people, he took the blood of the calves and goats with water and scarlet wool and hyssop and sprinkled both the book itself and all the people, saying, this is the blood of the covenant which Elohim commanded you. So when always reading that, and usually I'm reading that in the um, King James Version, um, and I had a hard time trying to point out things that I was trying to prove as far as um, whether you had to do the law or not. A lot of my Christian friends would point out certain verses saying, see, this is why you don't have to do the law. Because the Bible is saying that uh, the law is flawed and it's basically pointing out that uh, Yahshua was on the scene and it's not necessary for you to do the law no more. So I'm reading, I'm listening to my message, my podcast from last week. And a lot of things that I've learned, I've learned from other ministers in the last four to five years when I stopped you know, announcing that I was a Christian. But Yahshua, or Elohim, gave me something on my own that I never heard nobody say. And this is what he told me. I do believe in my heart, but this is what he told me. He said, don't you see that there's a comparison? The writer in Hebrews is comparing one priesthood from another. And I'm like, well, what do you mean? And I'm listening to last week's podcast and I'm saying, he's comparing them. He's comparing, and maybe some of you guys knew this, which if you knew this, maybe, because sometimes you can know something, but you really don't. You get an epiphany, an aha moment in your life. And I say, he's comparing the priesthood? Yeah, he's comparing it. So let's go back to Hebrews 9 and 1. And you could do this with, so far, it seems like 8 and 7. He says, now the first covenant indeed had regulations of worship in the earthly set-apart place. So the first one it had regulations of worship and the earthly set-apart place. For a tent was prepared, the first part in which was the lampstand and the table, and the showbread, which was called the set-apart place. And after the second veil, the part of the tent, tent which was called the most set-apart, it says, so after the second veil, the part of the tent which is called the most set-apart, which to which belonged the golden censer and the Ark of the Covenant overlaid on all sides with gold, and which were the golden pot, that held the manna, 
So when you're saying to which belong the golden censer, that's in Exodus 30 and 1 and Leviticus 16 and 12. And the Ark of the Covenant overlaid on all sides with gold, in which were the golden pot that held the manna. That's in Exodus 16, 33. And the rod of Aaron that budded and the tables of the covenant. So all these things in Hebrews 9, he's referring back to Exodus and Leviticus so far, right? 9, 5. And above it, the cherubim of esteem were overshadowing the place of the atonement, about which we do not speak in detail. That's Exodus 25, to point out the uh, cherubims. And these having been prepared like this, the priests always went into the first part of the tent, accomplishing the services. So in my notes, I have a sinful man must has to make sacrifice for his own sins before he can make a sacrifice for the people. So the priest, this is pointing out that the priest had to go in and take care of his own sins before he can now turn and make the sacrifices for the people. So if you're going through anything of importance, you have to wait, especially if this priest is corrupt in many ways. He has to get everything out the way before he can even give your stuff attention. So he's, he's pointing out to you how bad that is. He's saying this priest can't even focus on you yet because he has to focus on himself before he goes before Elohim, right? The people are loaded down with sin and waiting. But today he's saying we can be, we can go before the throne boldly, right? And that's all, that's being explained for seven. But into the second part, the priest went alone once a year, not without blood, he had to have it, which he offered for himself and for the sins of the ignorance of the people. So it's showing you that he had to handle his business first before he can handle anything for you. Right. So. But eight says the set apart spirit signifying this, that the way into the most set apart place was not yet made manifest while the tent. The first tent had been standing. So Yahshua can't come until while this one is standing. So look at 9, Hebrews 9, 9, which was a parable. It was an example for the true one that is coming, right? Which was a parable for the present time in which both gifts and slaughters are offered, which are unable to perfect the one serving and to his conscience. So even though you're doing all this and you're sacrificing these animals, it's not the best that can, we can do. It's only good for now. And this is an example that I use. Say you have a large loan, right? You have a, a $20,000 student loan. The Levitical priesthood with the with the blood of animals in the sacrifice is a monthly installment. It's just enough to keep them from putting you into collections. Just enough. But Yahshua is that big payday. He's that 
even if you want to say you come into a large amount of money, come into $80,000 and you have a $20,000 loan. That's what he is. He's able to pay the whole thing off. So right now, in the Old Testament, the blood of bulls and goats was just a minimum balance um, payment or, you know, something a little more. But you still was far away from paying off the whole thing. Right. But Yahshua is the one that's going to pay off the whole thing. So nine again says, which was a parable. It was an example for the present time in which both gifts and slaughters are offered, which are unable to to perfect the one servant as to his conscience. And 10, only as to foods, Deuteronomy 18.1, and drinks, Leviticus 10.8, and number six, and different washings and fleshy regulations imposed until so you do these things, and he's he's pointing out to you that you do it that way until. So those are the ceremonial um, rituals, right? It says only as to foods and drinks and different washings and fleshly regulations imposed until a time of setting manners straight. Until Yahshua gets on the scene, this is the way you do it. So he's comparing it. He says, because after Yahshua comes on the scene, you won't have to do it this way no more. And this is where Christians say, see, this is what I'm talking about. Yahshua comes on the scene. You don't have to do that stuff no more. Right? Because that's one of the scriptures that a lot of my Christian friends point out. They let me know that, see, Yahshua is on the scene. He takes away your sins. You don't have to kill the um." the animals no more. You don't have to do all the Sabbath and you don't have to do all the uh, the feast. This is talking about, it says in my notes, it says imposed on them until the time of reformation, unlike the covenant in Exodus 19, where they all swore the covenant was blood ratified and it was a covenant confirming meal in Exodus 19, right? That was proposed to the people by Yah. Agreed in faith, by the people, and it was blood ratified, right? Exodus 24, 11 and 12 shows that there was a meal also, the covenant confirming meal. So this part of the covenant when it first started was blood ratified and it was a meal to it, right? So it says, uh, but the Messiah having become a high priest of the coming good matters through the greater, more perfect tent, not made with hands, that that is not of this creation. So he's a better covenant. He won't never die. He's not a sinner, so he won't never have to take time to uh, cleanse himself before he can turn to you. You can go boldly to him instead of having to wait for the priest to cleanse themselves. And again, he won't never die. So you will always have a city of refuge. Refuge. You won't have to kill animals, right? So in that way, it's a better covenant because he don't have to do all those things that they had to do. He won't never die. He won't never get old. He won't never die. Somebody won't never come in and have to be elected in or, 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 or come and take his place. He's the last high priest. 
Okay. 12 says, enter into the most set apart place once and for all. No more priests after him. Not with the blood of goats and calves, but his own blood. Remember the priest up top said he couldn't go in without any blood. Well, Yahshua gave his own blood, better covenant, having obtained everlasting redemption. For if the blood of bulls and goats and the ashes of a heifer sprinkling the defiled set apart for the clean, cleansing of the flesh, he takes care of all that because he did it already. 14, how much more shall the blood of the Messiah who through the everlasting spirit offered himself unblemished to Elohim? Cleanse, cleanse your conscience from dead works to serve in the living Elohim. Why are we talking about Elohim again? This is taking you back to Genesis 12. Going back to the covenant commandment. He frees you from that so that you can go back to Genesis 12. We needed him for Genesis 15. When Abraham asked Elohim a question, and Elohim had him open up those flatos, animals open, we needed now somebody to come back and pay that price of Genesis 15. Hebrews 9 is talking about Genesis 15 that allows us to go back to Genesis 12. So why is Hebrews 9 talking about so much things according to Genesis, Genesis 12 and 15? Talking about Genesis 15, somebody has to die and pay the death penalty position of Genesis 15 so that we can now connect back to the oath swearing promise of Genesis 12 and become a nation and a kingdom of priests. So 9.15 says, and because of this, he is a mediator of a renewed covenant for all the good things that he offers to us that the high priest couldn't offer, the Levitical priest couldn't offer. So that death having taken place for redemption of the transgressions under the first covenant, Exodus 32, right? Because now something has to be paid because they built the golden calf. Those who are called might receive the promise of the everlasting inheritance. Because Exodus, because Genesis 15 was broken, somebody had to die. And remember in the Garden of Gethsemane with all the uh, Gospels, each one of them, I think each one of them, give an account of Yahshua being in the Garden. Somebody had to take the burden. And each one of those books that described him in the Garden of Gethsemane, he was under burden when he was sweating great drops of blood. But where a covenant is, Genesis 15, there was a covenant there that was broken. It is necessary for the death of the covenant one to be established, Mark 15:2. For a covenant over those dead is confirmed, since it is never valid while the covenant one is living. Therefore, not even the first covenant, Exodus 24, 7, was instituted without blood. After they built the golden calf and the law was imposed on them or placed on them, they never agreed to it. They never had a blood-confirming meal, and it was never blood-ratified. They didn't have a choice. It was placed on them. It was instituted without blood. Exodus 24, 7 was instituted without blood. 19, for when according to Torah, every command had been spoken by Moshe in the Old Testament to all the people, he took the blood of calves and goats with water and scarlet wool and hyssop and sprinkled 
sprinkled both the book itself and all the people. When did he do that? Exodus 19. So he's showing you just the difference between the Levitical priesthood and Yahshua HaMashiach being the Melchizedek of righteousness. 20, saying, this is the blood of the covenant, which Elohim commanded you. When did he do that? Exodus 19. And in the same way, he sprinkled with blood both the tent and all the vessels of the service. Exodus 29, 21. On the cross, Yahshua made provisions for our atonement. The plan of atonement wasn't complete at the cross, but was complete in heaven because priests make atonements, not lambs. And I'm going to explain that. 22. And according to the Torah, almost all is cleansed with blood, and without the shedding of blood, there's no forgiveness. And we say there's no remission of sin. A lot of, a lot of I hear that one all the time. Right? It it was necessary then that the copies of the heavenly ones should be cleansed with these, but the heavenly ones themselves with better slaughter offerings than these. So what is he saying? Well, you see when Moshe sprinkled the blood on the things that they made in all the vessels of the temple, at the end of 23, it says, but the heavenly ones themselves were better slaughter with better slaughter offering than those. Well, where did he get the blood from? Yahshua. For Messiah has not entered into a separate, a, a set-apart place made by hands, figures of a true, but unto the heaven himself, itself, now to appear in the presence of Elohim on our behalf. What are you talking about? When he was on the cross, and when before he was on the cross, he was beaten, he was bloody, he was opened up in so many places, his head, right? Uh his face, his back, both his hands, both his feet. He was he was he was beat up so bad. He was bleeding all over the place. Right? So from heaven, when he died on, on the cross, and then he was seen again, he told him, he said, Don't touch me yet, because I have not yet seen my father. Right? So then that's when he ascends up into heaven. He has to clean all that Satan had done up there. And then later on in the, in the Gospels, he come back down. He tells Thomas, now you can touch me. Because if somebody would have touched me before I went up, my blood would have been tainted. And, this, and the vessels up in heaven has to be cleansed. Because Satan was up there and he did some vile things, according to um, Ezekiel. Right? The book of Ezekiel. So he had to go up there and, and cleanse all the vessels that were up there because the vessels down here were just a shadow of the things to come. 24, for Messiah has not entered into a set-apart place made by hand, figures of a true, but into the heaven itself now to appear into the presence of Elohim on our behalf. Not that he should offer himself often. He don't have to do it again like the priest did. As the high priest enters into the set-apart place year by year with blood not his own. It's not even his. And this is a comparison. They're saying Yahshua's better covenant way is that he don't have to keep doing this, but they do. And he said, that's not even their blood. It's my, But I did mine with my own blood. Hebrews 9 is comparing the priesthoods against each other. And he's showing you that Yahshua's way is the better way. 
And you might be saying, well, yeah, we all know that. You're not saying nothing that we don't know already. For if so, he would have had to suffer often since the foundation of the world. And that, again, is referring to Satan and what all happened when he was thrown out of the kingdom. But now he has appeared once for all at the end of the ages to put away sin by the offering of himself. And as it awaits men to die once and after this, the judgment. So also the Messiah, having been offered once a year to bear the sins of many, shall appear a second time apart from sin to those waiting for him unto deliverance. And that in itself, that last little part, set apart from sin to those waiting for him unto deliverance, that's a whole nother message in itself. But I know I will get a lot of enemies if I go in on that. So you see that the only thing that they're attacking is the Levitical priesthood. They're not attacking the Sabbath because it's supposed to be done. They're not attacking the feast. It's supposed to be done. They're not attacking the dietary law because it's supposed to be done. The only thing that Genesis, I mean, Hebrews 9, Hebrews 8, and Hebrews 7, and read from 10 on out. The only thing that this is talking about is comparing the Levitical priesthood to Yeshua HaMashiach. Not everything else. So all you don't do is the Levitical priesthood part. We don't sacrifice animals anymore because Yahshua is the sacrifice. We don't go to priest anymore because Yahshua HaMashiach is the priest. Everything else we do. So this has just been a reminder that this podcast is also on Spotify and on Instagram. And I'm live on YouTube as well, as you can very well see. So don't forget to like my page and to share my page where it applies. And don't forget to hit the notification button. And I pray that you guys have a good and awesome Shabbat. And don't forget to subscribe to my page as well, if you feel like it. If you don't, don't, don't worry about it. I'm serious. All right? Shalom.